from ABC News. I'm Michelle Franzen. Russia's continued attacks in Ukraine and reports of atrocities in cities like Bucha, triggering another round of sanctions from the U.S. and its allies. This round targeting new Russian investment and family members of Vladimir Putin. The Justice Department also announcing charges against a Russian oligarch for violating U.S. sanctions. ABC News national security and defense analyst Mick Mulroy says the deepening sanctions will be felt. This is going to be continuous. It will go from one person to the next person, the next person. They'll they'll take real estate, they'll uh, property like God. All this uh, matters because that's where the wealth of the the upper crust, the elite, if you will, of Russia hide their money. The European Union says it's proposing a ban on Russian coal and is not ruling out a ban on Russian oil and natural gas. State Secretary of State Antony Blinken in Brussels wrapping up meetings with his counterparts from NATO on ways to provide more military aid and humanitarian aid to Ukraine. The U.N. says 11 million people have been displaced since Russia invaded. NATO Secretary General Jen Stoltenberg telling reporters earlier, Russia shows no signs of de-escalating. We have seen no indication that uh, President Putin has uh, changed his ambition to control uh, the whole of Ukraine uh, and also to rewrite uh, the international order. So we need to be prepared for a long uh, haul. Stoltenberg says the NATO member states may also discuss possible membership of Finland and Sweden. Conspiracy theorist and radio host Alex Jones in Connecticut facing questions by attorneys for the families of Sandy Hook Elementary School victims. Last week, a judge ordered Jones was liable to stand trial and would face escalating daily fines until he appeared for a deposition. Relatives of the 20 children and six educators shot and killed in 2012 are suing Jones for death defamation that after he falsely claimed the shooting massacre never happened. You're listening to ABC News. The future of Israeli Prime Minister Naftali Bennett and his coalition suddenly in jeopardy. That after a parliament's whip defected to the opposition. The move could benefit a resurgence of a familiar name. We're likely to see Israel go to early elections. This is a major victory for opposition leader Benjamin Netanyahu. Despite his legal troubles, he's hoping an election will give him the chance to try to take back the prime minister's office. Jordana Miller, ABC News, Jerusalem. The Minnesota Attorney General announced today no charges will be filed in the death of Amir Locke, but Minneapolis is eliminating the no-knock practice that led to the death of the 22-year-old black man. No-knock warrants, the kind that resulted in the death of Breonna Taylor in Louisville in 2020, and then Amir Locke in Minneapolis earlier this year, are no longer going to be used by Minneapolis police. Mayor Jacob Fry issued a statement Tuesday announcing the permanent prohibition of all no-knock warrants. The new policy will require officers to repeatedly knock and announce their presence and purpose prior to entry during a search warrant and implements a minimum wait time of 20 seconds for all warrants and 30 seconds for those executed at night. Mark Remillard, ABC News. New questions surrounding a decades-old mystery involving Charles Darwin's notebooks. Cambridge University says the notebooks missing since 2001 showed up in the school's library last month. No word on who took them or who returned them. This is ABC News. ABC News honored winner of nine Edward R. Murrow Awards, more than any other network, including winning the award for overall excellence in both television and radio. ABC News is America's number one news source. 
From Feature Story News in Washington, I'm Simon Marks. The two adult daughters of Russian President Vladimir Putin are now being sanctioned over the war in Ukraine. The announcement was made by the Biden administration today. It's part of a raft of new US and European measures aimed at choking off the Russian economy and the ability of Kremlin insiders to access their wealth. The Department of Justice sanctioned a leading Russian oligarch today and announced it has disrupted a Russian-controlled malware network that was poised to attack Western computer systems. Attorney General Merrick Garland with an uncompromising message today. It does not matter how far you sail your yacht. It does not matter how well you conceal your assets. It does not matter how cleverly you write your malware or hide your online activity. The Justice Department will use every available tool to find you, disrupt your plots, and hold you accountable. And he also announced that the Department of Justice is now probing war crimes allegedly committed by Russian forces in Ukraine. Ukraine's Deputy Prime Minister urged people living in the eastern region of the country to leave while they can, amid fears that the Russians are planning large-scale attacks around the disputed cities of Donetsk and Luhansk. NATO Secretary General Jen Stoltenberg is hosting a two-day summit of foreign ministers in Brussels. We have seen no indication that uh, President Putin has changed his ambition to control uh, the whole of Ukraine and also to rewrite uh, the international order. So we need to be prepared for a long haul. The UN General Assembly will vote later this week on whether to suspend Russia from membership in the UN's Human Rights Council. With the latest on that story, FSN's Will Denzelo from our bureau at UN headquarters in New York. After scenes emerged appearing to show the mass killings of civilians in Bucha, Ukraine, the US ambassador to the UN said it was a farce that Russia remains on the Human Rights Council. On Thursday, the 193 members of the UN General Assembly will move to vote on whether to remove Russia. Moscow has rejected accusations of war crimes in Ukraine. A two-thirds majority vote is needed to suspend Russia from the Human Rights Council. In other news today, millions of people in Britain are being hit with a controversial tax rise after Prime Minister Boris Johnson defended a 1.5% increase in national insurance contributions that pay for social care. British Airways, which removed a face mask mandate from its flights last month, has grounded more planes today due to staff shortages caused by COVID-19. And the far-right Russian politician Vladimir Zhirinovsky has died in hospital at the age of 70 after contracting COVID-19. He was a misogynist and racist and an ardent supporter of the assault on Ukraine. From bureaus worldwide, this is FSN. With FSN Spotlight, I'm Simon Marks. Today, the thoughts of one Ukrainian refugee about what, if anything, the country should give away as it continues talks with the Russians. After the world learnt over the weekend of the war crimes that Russian forces appear to have committed in Bucha and elsewhere, there were growing calls for President Zelensky to harden his stance and not give Vladimir Putin an inch of Ukrainian territory, including Donetsk and Luhansk. Eugene Zablin is from Kharkiv. He and his family escaped earlier this month and are now safely in Germany. It will be awful things if we give away the territories. Uh, again, it will resemble the history. So there was Austria and Czechoslovakia for Hitler. And then it was Poland, then it was France. Anyone can, can read the history. And uh, I see a lot of parallels here. He will not stop 
but he must be stopped economically, diplomatically. Of course, there will be some agreements and we need to talk, even to Russia. But we uh, shouldn't give away the territories. So they should stop on the lines they crossed on the 24th of February. He says he hopes to return to Kharkiv at some point, but cannot currently envisage when that might be. The main news again, President Putin's two daughters are now being sanctioned over the war in Ukraine as the US and its allies unveil a series of new measures targeting banks, oligarchs and the family members of Russia's elite. Ukrainian officials are urging people living in the eastern part of the country to flee amid fears that the Russians are planning large-scale attacks there. And British Airways, which removed a face mask mandate from flights last month, has grounded more flights today due to staff shortages caused by COVID-19. And that is the latest feature story news. Simon Marks reporting. Here is your Wednesday National Weather Service forecast. Wednesday. Showers, mainly before 2 p.m., high near 58. South wind around 15 miles per hour, with gusts as high as 20 miles per hour. Chance of precipitation is 100%. New precipitation amounts between a quarter and half of an inch possible. Wednesday night. A 20% chance of showers before midnight. Mostly cloudy, with a low around 39. Southwest wind 10 to 15 miles per hour, with gusts as high as 25 miles per hour. Thursday. A 50% chance of showers, mainly after 2 p.m., mostly cloudy, with a high near 47. Southwest wind 10 to 15 miles per hour, with gusts as high as 25 miles per hour. Thursday night. Showers likely, mainly after 2 a.m., mostly cloudy, with a low around 35. Southwest wind around 10 miles per hour, with gusts as high as 20 miles per hour. Chance of precipitation is 60%. Friday. Rain and snow showers. Some thunder is also possible. High near 40. Chance of precipitation is 80%. Little or no snow accumulation expected. Friday night. Rain and snow showers, mainly before 8 p.m. Some thunder is also possible. Low around 33. Chance of precipitation is 80%. Many people have favorite Bible verses. So what is your favorite? Are there certain passages that you find comfort in? Maybe you have them up on the walls in your house. Do you have a life verse that you've memorized? How about Psalm 23? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Philippians 4.13 I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. How about Hebrews 13.5 God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So what are the Bible passages that come to your mind that have proved to be the most help to you as you journey through this world? Chances are they all have one thing in common. They are about you. They are addressed to you. They provide assurances to you. Now there is nothing wrong with that, but Psalm 93 provides us with a reminder and a corrective. Because nowhere in the five verses of Psalm 93 do we hear anything about us. Psalm 93 reminds us that ultimately it is all about God. Pause and ponder the glory of God. Psalm 93 verses 1 and 2, listen. The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed in majesty and armed with strength. 
Indeed, the world is established, firm and secure. Your throne was established long ago. You are from all eternity. Psalm 93 tells us Almighty God is reigning on his throne in heaven, and he is glorious. This is majesty beyond what we can imagine. And though we do not yet see everything in subjection to him, Psalm 93 reminds us God is the supreme potentate. His kingdom is coming to this world, which he established long ago. Verses 3 and 4. The seas have lifted up, Lord. The seas have lifted up their voice. The seas have lifted up their pounding waves. Mightier than the thunder of the great waters, mightier than the breakers of the sea, the Lord on high is mighty. A friend of mine is in Florida right now, and he texted me. He was sitting on the beach, marveling at the sounds of the waves. 71% of our planet is water, and each and every wave is powerful. Water is a powerful force. It tears down cliffs. It beats down rocks. But the might of waves is as nothing compared to Almighty God. We actually read about this in Mark 4. Remember the waves are crashing upon the boat where Jesus happens to be sleeping. Not the disciples. They're afraid. They feel powerless. They crowd to Jesus because they fear they're going to perish. And Jesus speaks a word. Peace. Be still. And the waters recognize the voice of their creator and they hush like a tame puppy. This psalm then moves from God's seas to God's decrees in verse 5. Your statutes, Lord, stand firm. Holiness adorns your house for endless days. God's decrees or statutes are trustworthy. What God says goes. He has told us what is evil and it will not endure. He has told us what is good and it is everlasting. We've only begun to taste it. And God is holy, holy, holy. As Isaiah saw when he entered God's house, God's holiness causes the angels to cover their faces and drops even the least sinful prophets to the ground. This is God, the God who is and who was and who is to come. Psalm 93 reminds us that it is not about me and it's not about you, but Psalm 93 is for you. First, it reminds us that you and I are pretty powerless in this world of crashing waves. We're small, weak, and our time is so brief. But God is none of those. He is ruling and reigning, and His decrees are trustworthy. All those promises and favorite Bible verses of yours and mine, they are yes and amen in His Son, Jesus Christ. You and I can be confident in any and all circumstances. Secondly, well, uh, maybe verse 5 is about you and I, if we are first about God. When this psalm was written, God's house was a different place than today. Today, God's dwelling place is man. God poured out His Holy Spirit on His people. Donald Whitney says, If you are a Christian, two people live in your body, you and the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is not passive within you, which means... We are his house and holiness must adorn us. So train yourself for godliness, for godliness is of value in every way. 
1 Timothy 4, 7, and 8. My friend, remember who you are and who you belong to. This episode is sponsored by DuckDuckGo. Good morning. Welcome to Axios Today. We've made it to Wednesday. It's April 6th. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Today, we're covering how young techno-optimists are driving the future. And our one big thing, the role of civic engagement in combating climate change with White House Climate Advisor Ali Zaidi. UN climate scientists gave governments a final warning in a new report out on Monday, saying to avoid the most catastrophic impacts of climate change, emissions have to peak by 2025. That's just three years away. And in what Axios climate reporter Andrew Friedman calls a cold slap of water to the face, emissions also have to decline by almost half by 2030. Meanwhile, the Biden administration is going forward with the largest strategic release of oil in our history, one million barrels of oil a day for the next six months. In the face of all of this, many of you have been emailing and texting the podcast asking the same question. What can individuals actually do to help combat climate change? I put that question to Ali Zaidi. He's White House Deputy National Climate Advisor and former New York Deputy Secretary for Energy and Environment. He joined me backstage at the Axios What's Next Summit yesterday in D.C. after an onstage interview. I think probably what folks are looking for is an answer as simple as, you know, don't leave the water running uh, or recycle more or switch to a certain product or another. And those are really important personal actions. But what's really, really important, I think, at this moment is that we press the entire system to meet the moment. And that's going to require uh, real engagement with the broader society. So you're talking about civic engagement. Civic engagement is going to be the critical ingredient in tackling the climate crisis. And so when people are listening to this thinking in their small town, you grew up in a small town in Pennsylvania. How do you see that happening at a local level? I think at a local level, it's folks being very clear about their priorities. When a school is thinking about making its uh, changes to, to how it buys electricity, it's showing up to that school board meeting and making sure that this is on the radar of the leaders. Um, so it's sure it's making a difference in your home, but school board, uh, city, town council, and then obviously in the federal government, holding federal leaders to account to follow through on these bold climate commitments. So you said something to me on stage, people don't want to lecture about science. Do you think that's been a mistake that we that we feel like that people have been heavy handed? Or do you think it's just a question of trying to meet people where they're at? I think it's a question about meeting people where they are. Sure, there are folks in America who subscribe to Scientific American. They just love to get deep on this stuff. But for a lot of folks, they're going around just trying to live their life and they want to know, you know, where they're going to get their next paycheck. They want to know how they're going to get from point A to point B and how much that's going to cost them. And I think one of the things we're seeing resonate a great deal with folks around the country is just boiling it down to the economic opportunity that exists in tackling climate. So it's about attracting 
business investment into communities. It's about helping companies see around the corner and recognize that by investing in cleaner products, they're not just becoming more competitive globally. They're making sure that workforce has decades more of uh, demand because they're positioning for where the puck is headed. So I think it's maybe if it's not a conversation about the science, uh, it can be a conversation about the economic imperative that we're seeing all all around the country. I suspect you're the guy who likes Scientific American. <laughs> like you're that's <laughs> like right. Yes, yes, I do like Scientific American. So, how have you modified or changed the way you have thought or approached this issue? You know, this has been your life's work dealing with this, but. As you've seen our politics become more divided and this issue become more contentious, how have you thought about reframing it? For me, it's been really easy. As excited as I get to geek out on, you know, the cost curves on electrolyzer technology or to understand new ways with which we're approaching fusion technology to basically build a little star that's going to power our Earth, as exciting as all of that is... When I think about climate, I think about that sense of opportunity, not just to get a paycheck, but to be part of the project, taking on one of the greatest crises of our time. So that's why it's easy, is because that's my reason for being in public service to begin with. Ali, thank you so much for being with us. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. You can watch my conversation with Ali for the What's Next Summit, where we went deeper into some of that scientific and technological conversation by visiting the link in our show notes. In a moment, we're back with new data on how young people are propelling technology forward. Did you know that DuckDuckGo is more than just private search? DuckDuckGo's all-in-one privacy app can be used as an everyday browser with private search, tracker blocking, encryption, and email protection built in, all for free. Welcome back to Axios Today. I'm Nyla Boudou. Young people under 25 are excited and optimistic about the future of new technology, everything from crypto to smart home technology. That's according to an exclusive Axios Momentum poll out this week. Jennifer Kingston is the chief correspondent for the What's Next newsletter, where she's also an editor. She's here with me at the What's Next Summit in D.C. with this glimpse into how young Americans are feeling. Hi, Jennifer. Hi, Nyla. You asked about a lot of new technology in this poll. How would you describe this generation that have been dubbed the techno-optimists? The younger you are, the more excited you tend to be about everything from drones delivering food and drugs to your house to buying cryptocurrency. Fully a quarter of the young people whom we polled have invested in cryptocurrency, where the older people are much more skittish about it. Young people all want to buy electric vehicles if they could afford them. And uh, they're very excited about the prospect of living in a quote-unquote smart city. That number about electric vehicles, that's seven in 10 young Americans would drive an electric car if they could afford it, which is a big if. But does that enthusiasm actually change the market for this technology? 
It suggests that the conversion to electric vehicles will probably take place more quickly rather than less because the young people are going to be the consumers of tomorrow. There's an extremely big push by automakers to get as many EVs on the street as possible and to make them more affordable for the younger cohort. So it really does all point towards uh, a future where the conversion to electric cars uh, is going to continue to happen more quickly. This poll also covered things that people are worried about or not ready to jump on, like the metaverse. What did we learn about those worries? People are saying meh about the metaverse. Nobody quite knows what it means, despite the fact that Facebook has rebranded itself as meta to emphasize the centrality of this virtual world in our lives going forward. So far, it's not ready for prime time, and everybody's still scratching their heads about what it is and how to define it. So it remains to be seen if that will actually turn out to be something important in our futures or not. Jennifer, the idea that the youngest among us are the most excited about technology is probably generally how it works, right? Like younger generations adapt technology that become part of the mainstream. Why is the techno optimism so significant at this moment in 2022? You're right. But because of the pace of change that's been brought about by the pandemic, it stands to reason that all these different types of technology are going to advance even further because they have the young people championing them. One thing that was striking in our poll was that 82% of the people under 24 were huge supporters of so-called micromobility devices, e-scooters, e-skateboards, e-bikes, those shared devices that are out in the streets. Older people really, really don't want these things around. They're worried about safety issues and so forth. Yet they're going to persist because this is something that young people have grown accustomed to and and want in their lives going forward. Axios Chief Correspondent Jennifer Kingston, editor of the What's Next newsletter. Thanks, Jennifer. Thank you. That's it for us today. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And we'll see you back here tomorrow morning. The Moth has been helping people across the world tell their story for 25 years. Now they want to help you with their new book, How to Tell a Story, The Essential Guide to Memorable Storytelling. You can get your copy at themoth.org slash H-T-T-A-S. Did you know that DuckDuckGo is way more than just a private search engine? DuckDuckGo's all-in-one privacy app can be used as an everyday browser with private search, tracker blocking, encryption, and now email protection built in. It's the free, easy button for online privacy. Download DuckDuckGo today and join the tens of millions of people taking back their privacy online. Easter simply isn't Easter without C's Candies. Using the same ingredients Mary C. used over 100 years ago, C's Candies has become synonymous with Easter. The iconic chocolate bunnies, the hand-decorated chocolate eggs, the decadent baskets, the joy of Easter with the tradition of C's. Fill your Easter basket with sweet treats and classic gifts for the whole family. Visit a C's shop or C's.com. Remember, Easter isn't Easter without C's Candies. C's, Easter Bunny approved. 
You've tried diet after diet and things just don't seem to work. Or if they do, you inevitably put weight back on. At Exanti, we're about more than diet. We're about lifestyle. We want to inspire you to live the healthiest and happiest life possible. Our meal replacement shakes keep you fuller for longer, thanks to its high-protein, hunger-blocking Slendesta formula full of 26 vitamins and minerals. Go to exanti.com and enter the promo code EXANTI25 to get 25% off site-wide. That's E-X-A-N-T-E dot com. Promo code EXANTI25 to get 25% off. Ah, nothing like the sound of an overwatered lawn, right? Mm, not quite. Use 30% less water with Pennington Smart Seed. Find it at your nearest retailer or visit Pennington.com. Pennington Smart Seed. Smart from the start. President Biden and Vice President Harris believe that health care is a right, not a privilege. That is why the administration has taken a number of steps over the past year to lower costs and expand coverage. On Tuesday, the Biden-Harris administration proposed the most significant administrative action to expand coverage under the ACA since the law was enacted. This proposed rule to strengthen the ACA by fixing the, quote, family glitch, end quote, will expand affordable health coverage to nearly one million Americans and save hundreds of thousands of families hundreds of dollars a month. To discuss this further, we have Chiquita brooks Lashure, an American healthcare policy official who is the administrator of the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. This is Our Daily Story, and I'm your host, Ramses Ja. Administrator brooks Lashure. Hello. Tuesday was a big day in healthcare for our country. So big, it brought President Barack Obama out to the White House. Why did the Biden-Harris administration feel it was important to expand coverage under the Affordable Care Act, or as we like to call it, Obamacare? Well, it really was an incredible day, and we are celebrating 12 years of, of the Affordable Care Act and how it has changed people's lives. Millions of people's lives are different because of the Affordable Care Act. And as both presidents spoke about today, that it really was the largest change to our healthcare system since Medicare and Medicaid were created in 1965. Sure. And the American Rescue Plan really built on that um, by adding subsidies, which really helped us have the best open enrollment period that we've had to date with 14.5 million Americans covered, wow. which is just incredible. And uh, more than 35% increase in black Americans being covered by uh, the Affordable Care Act. So it really is just such a wonderful day to really celebrate what the legacy of Barack Obama has brought. And then now with the Biden-Harris administration really building on that and taking us to our new phase. Yeah, it's, it sounds pretty historic. It is indeed. We actually, a couple of weeks last week uh, on the anniversary, added the Affordable Care Act to CMS. I run the agency that is in charge of Medicare, Medicaid, and marketplace coverage. Okay. And we added the Affordable Care Act to our CMS museum because it is now, it is absolutely the law of the land and part of our fabric. I love that. So let's talk about uh, the family glitch. What was the family glitch and how does the administration plan to fix it? So today the president announced our proposal to make sure that coverage was more affordable to um, many more Americans. So about a million people are going to benefit from seeing lower premiums if this proposal is finalized. 
200,000 people who are currently uninsured will now be eligible for coverage. And basically, the Affordable Care Act makes subsidies, premium tax credits available to millions of people if they don't have affordable coverage offered through their employers. And this extended coverage for a lot of spouses and children who might have um, not been able to to receive coverage beforehand. Okay. So explain how employer-based coverage hindered American families from receiving tax credit premiums. So part of, as the Affordable Care Act was passed, of really trying to make sure that we covered the uninsured, um, Congress authorized subsidies for people who didn't have employer-sponsored insurance. So if you were offered coverage from your employer, you uh, were expected to enroll in that in that coverage. Right. What ended up happening was there were some spouses and some children who their father or their mother might have been offered affordable coverage, but they themselves were not offered affordable coverage. And that's the gap that we're really talking about closing. Ah. <sighs> Nothing like the sound of an overwatered lawn, right? Mm, not quite. Use 30% less water with Pennington Smart Seed. Find it at your nearest retailer or visit Pennington.com. Pennington Smart Seed. Smart from the start. The last thing you want to hear while listening to your favorite podcast is another gimmicky ad. NJM feels the same way. It's why they've provided award-winning service without the use of mascots or repetitive jingles for over 100 years unlike just about everyone else. Instead of the gimmicks, they focus on what's important, what they can do for you. When you apply for an auto, home, or renter's policy, NJM will work to ensure you get the coverage that's right for you. That must be the award-winning customer service they're known for. And when you switch to NJM, you could save up to 20% on your auto insurance. I think I know what I'm doing when this episode's over. No jingles or mascots, just great insurance. NJM. Visit njm.com slash podcast for a quote to see how much you could save on your auto insurance. Easter simply isn't Easter without C's candies. Using the same ingredients Mary C. used over 100 years ago, C's candies has become synonymous with Easter. The iconic chocolate bunnies, the hand-decorated chocolate eggs, the decadent baskets, the delicious treats— The joy of Easter with the tradition of seas. Fill your Easter basket with sweet treats and classic gifts for the whole family. Or seas has ready-to-gift baskets brimming with delicious Easter bliss. With different sizes for the whole family, C's baskets are a delightful gift for grandkids or nieces and nephews to wake up to on Easter morning. Visit C's.com. That's C's.com. Or visit a C's shop. Remember, Easter isn't Easter without C's candies. C's. Easter Bunny approved. Joining us today is Chiquita Brooks LaSure, American Healthcare Policy Official and the Administrator for the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. So how and when will this rule go into effect? So this is now a proposed rule and it needs to be finalized um, as proposed. But if it does, if it is finalized, that during our next open enrollment period, which will be at the end of this year, American families will be able to enroll in coverage for next year. Wonderful. So what type of premiums and coverage can American families expect? 
So we've seen just, especially through the American Rescue Plan, mm -hmm. um, coverage has been so affordable. So four out of five families have been able to find a health plan for less, $10 or less per month. Oh, wow. Okay. So when and how can people sign up? So every year we have an open enrollment period that usually begins in November and people can look on healthcare.gov for coverage. Healthcare.gov, you can go there to find all sorts of information to sign up, to learn more about your options and really encourage people to check it out, especially if you are struggling to pay for your health insurance. There are, we are actually in the midst of having a special enrollment period. So if you have a change in circumstance, like you get married or have a baby or something changes about your financial status, or if you make modest incomes, if you earn under 150% um, percent of the poverty level, then you can enroll right now. Wonderful. Okay. Well, we appreciate it. Administrator Brooks Lashure, we appreciate your time. This has been uh, quite insightful and again, a historic monumental time in our country. Thank you so much. Thank you. Last year, the administration operated the most successful open enrollment period in history with a historic 14.5 million Americans signing up for coverage under the ACA, including nearly 6 million who newly gained coverage. This expansion will further ensure that we continue to tackle one of the country's biggest and most divisive problems, our healthcare system. As a father to a son born with spina bifida, I'm well aware of the challenges that many families face when interacting with the healthcare system in this country. Today, I will breathe a little easier, knowing that those roads will be a bit easier to navigate when he decides to have children of his own. This has been a production of the Black Information Network. Today's show was produced by Chris Thompson. Follow us on all social media at Our Daily Story Podcast. I'm your host, Ramses Ja. Join us tomorrow as we share our news with our voice from our perspective, right here on Our Daily Story.